0: Resurfaces is a podcast presented to you by me, your host, Emily Utrup. In each episode, I'll talk to athletes and industry leaders who have faced adversity. And through shared vulnerability, I'll explore the mental and emotional challenges they have faced and discover the strategies they have used to not only bounce back, but to come back stronger than ever. I want to motivate and inspire you to show your vulnerability, acknowledge your fears, and to follow your dreams. Hey everybody, welcome to the third episode of Resurface. Today I'm talking to former rugby player Nick Youngquist. Nick is with us all the way from Australia, so unfortunately the sound quality is not the best, but I promise you the conversation is great. And Nick's story about how he w- he became a professional rugby player, then went into modeling in New York and became the face of Paco Goban, to now running marathons for Charity is amazing. Nick is super open about vulnerability and he's a big ambassador for mental health. So I hope you enjoy this episode. You are with us all the way from Australia. Welcome, Nick.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Emily. It's good to see your face and as the, uh, the listeners, Probably won't see the video, but it's good to see your face. It's uh, it would be nice to be sharing a beer with you in Portugal. But yes, I'm coming all the way from Australia at the moment.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, Nick, I'm so stoked that you want to be part of this podcast. When when I first met you, I think it's three or four years ago. I was in the process of sharing my story, and we met in the water, and we started to connect. Uh, through our shared vulnerability and our mission to kind of share that mm. with the world and I think we kind of be, became friends from there but I also feel like I don't know your entire story so that's what I also <laughs> really like to, to hear today is, uh, is your journey because yeah. you went from being a professional rugby player to being a model living in LA we met in Portugal when you were living there for a while, <laughs> and now you're back in Australia. I feel like there's yeah. a lot to unpack there.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I think that you know, just hitting on you know, meeting you in the surf, I think it was definitely incautious. But I think you know, connecting really over the commonality of sport was probably the thing that really kind of kind of brought us together. Right? It's um, yeah, I, I feel like sports people, former former sports people, have an interesting and intriguing way to kind of connect without really even knowing each other's stories um i think that's probably really true of um you know you and i starting to 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 get to know each other in the water and um so it's super cool and yeah you know like i i feel really fortunate to have done some of the things that i've done in my life and 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 you know being a professional athlete is 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 really an honor for people you know it's a it's a it's an honor to to be able to be I want to stop short of saying an exclusive club, but you know, it's it's challenging to become a professional athlete, right? It takes a lot of dedication, hard work and, and, and honing your craft uh, for many, many years. You know, sometimes like I'm sure that you you were horse riding, you know, when you were five, six years old, all of those learnings can, can kind of come together in being able to show your expertise or, or your skills on the, on the professional stage. It's really, it's really special, right? So, you know, coming from a background on the east coast of Australia. I know you've lived in Australia. You know, the rugby league is quite big here, especially in Sydney. So yeah, playing playing sport was like, it was really cool. I, I, I kind of got pushed into, dedicate my time and push myself to the limits to be able to to succeed. Right? And, and I think I was able to do that. For me, speaking about sport, I retired so long ago in my mind. And in duration too, I think that, you know, Um, sports people can go, uh, I feel like at the end of your career, you can almost, you feel like, okay, it's, it's kind of done because you you kind of work on autopilot almost, right? Um, so I feel like I was already done with my sporting career before i actually retired. Um, and then I, I moved to New York city and, uh, and, 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 you know, became a model, which is, uh, probably pretty unheard of, I guess, (laughs) from rugby (laughs) league to New York city and Paris. Yeah. So it's, um, it was really interesting, but. Um, as you, as as you alluded to, you know, um, knowing me, I like to explore different things and, and trying to to really add value to anything that I do. So um, it's a pleasure to be on your podcast. Congratulations about your podcast as well, all the work you've been doing as well. You know, it's um, so cool to having met you four years ago, 2019. Yeah, it was four years ago, um, well, close enough to four years. And 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 you really tried to navigate your own way and where you wanted to go, and that you know, doing great stuff with the WSL and. Um and now having a own podcast. So congratulations to you.
0: Thanks, Nick. No, it's so cool. And I think like we have so many things in common and and I think that's what we can also talk about because you know, I was also a professional athlete growing up and you know, horse riding was never really in the cards for me, but that just kind of happened. And yeah. how was rugby for you? Was that always in the cards? Because I know you're also a passionate surfer and stuff like that, but why just why rugby? And where did rugby take you? I know you went overseas to play as well. And-
1: yeah, I, you know, I think growing up where I grew up, um, where we was, is, is really part of the DNA in, in southern Sydney especially um but you know coming from australia we're really afforded with the opportunity to participate in so many sports like i surfed, as you mentioned um i did gymnastics at a high level um in school um i swam at a high level um in in high school um i ran at a high level in high school um so you know being afforded the opportunity to participate in so many different sports was was fantastic but obviously as you know at some point or or, you know at some point in time it became important to kind of pick one of those sports or a direction that I wanted to go in. And I think it was probably pretty easy to to want to play rugby league. I, my grandfather, um, he didn't play professionally, but he, he played in the lower grades um, in, in Sydney. Um, and, you know, the, the love for the game here, uh, it, it's just, we, we thrive on it, you know. I don't watch as much as I used to watch, but I think it it pushed me and gave me, the kind of purpose to, to trying to to push yourself to, to different places. And I think that, you know, <clears throat> sport taught me the fabulous um, lesson to try and do that in my personal life too, you know, not, not just in sport, but um, in different ways, you know, to challenge your mindset and try and experience and be curious in ways that changes the way that you view things. Right. So, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, it, 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 it was a great experience. Um, thinking back now, it's like, if I asked you to run the ball, uh, run, run into a brick wall for 20 times on the weekend, you'd probably say, no, I'm not doing that. Um, and, and now, you know, if someone said the same thing to me, I'd be like, yeah, I'm not doing that either. Like, it seems like a crazy sport, thinking about it now. Um, it feels like a another life almost, you know.
0: I know that feeling, you know. I also completely turned my life around after I finished horse riding. So sometimes, yeah, it, it does feel like a different lifetime. How old were you when you turned professional and, and I know you went to the UK and played there. Uh, can you tell a little bit about that journey?
1: Yeah, so I, I, I became professional in, um, right after school, so I would, would have been 18, 19. And you know, I, you know, the, the high-performance environments in, in these sports in, in most countries, especially the ones that dominate, you know, like think about football in the UK, for instance. Um, there's a high-performance kind of environment that you're, you're exposed to at an early age, you know, from like probably 14, 15. So I was, um, you know, going through those kind of different ranks and, and academies, if you will, um, leading up to becoming professional. And then I, I was able to, you know, represent my home team, actually, which is kind of pretty cool. Um, growing up, idolising all the people that had come before me and then being able to do the same thing and wear the the colours that like I associated with sports so much was really cool. Um, and then, yeah, as you said, I, I was able to also take that to kind of utilise sport in a way to travel the world as well, right? So um the premier uh, competition is in is in in Sydney, you know, sorry in Australia. But so I was able to go and play in the UK in the Super League, which was which is a really cool experience. And I think that, that, you know, gave me open my eyes to, you know, there's a bigger place out there outside of Australia. I know you love Australia. I know you had you had fond memories of being here. Um especially after you know um your 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 whole um it wasn't a debacle, your whole experience um mm-hmm. with, with life and then having to, to to leave horse riding because of the car crash and then you came to Australia and I feel like maybe it's like ignited your or re, re, you've kind of rediscovered who you are a little bit. um of course, that uh, so you came to Australia to do that. I left Australia to do that, you know, so it's quite interesting juxtaposition there. Um, yeah. So I think it opened my eyes to, to a bigger world and, and to, to want to explore and experience different things. So um, it was really cool. I actually played six months in the French League as well. There's like a little – in the south of France, um, right near the border of Spain. Um, I played for for a team for like 12 games or something like that. So it was, it's really cool, you know, um, to have those experiences and sport supported me that and, sport, you know, Sport still affords me that experience with, with athletes for life, running marathons um, for charities around the world. I was in New York in November. I'll be in Leeds in, in, in May. So I still use sport as that vehicle, but just in a different way. You know, I, I associate myself differently with sport. Um, I, I hope you would say in the water, I'm not like a super aggressive or um, kind of trying to take all the waves. Or, I, I approach sport in such a different way now. So um, yeah, I think that's been yeah. really useful for me too.
0: Yeah, because I guess when you're playing professional rugby, the goal was always to win and be victorious. Uh, and now running marathons for charity, surfing, it's its not about yeah. winning anymore. It's more about enjoying, I guess.
1: That's all right. And I'll give you the red hot tip. I am never going to win a marathon, first of all. <laughs> I am never ever going to win any surfing competition anywhere, um, yeah. but you know that both those things form such an important part of my life, and and um, on a daily basis, running and surfing um, really provide me with like a, an outlet. And I think it's really cool to discover sport and or, or what you love to to be able to do that, and to then again, I feel like I I utilize sport well, really. You know, like surfing, cautious six to ten feet is you've got to be vulnerable, right? because it's dangerous, you know, it's the, it's the ocean, there's a lot at stake uh, and running marathons, obviously, you know, physically and mentally, pushing yourself to places that it it, it it hurts right um but wanting to be out there and participating is, is really the key for me so re-establishing and re-engaging this forward in a productive and healthy way has really been great for me in retirement and then for you too i'm sure like I, I, i'm not going to start to be the host of your podcast but i'm sure that you know you've spoken a lot about surfing being like a vehicle for you to do the same and, and i'm sure that's how you feel when you surf
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Like that also became, you know, kind of my safe place where I just had to be present in the moment and and just enjoying, of course, I also... I did actually compete a bit in surfing, but that was more for fun as well and for the experience because I had the chance, you know, to do the Danish national team, which was, you know, when you you get the chance to represent your country in anything, it's a huge honour.
1: For sure. But um, for your listeners, though, like I love how you describe surfing as your safe space, but like Emily describes it as her safe space, but it's not anything but safe Uh, where where Emily (laughs) serves and and the way she surfs.
0: yeah that's true but it definitely requires you to be humble and to be present in the moment i think that's also it yeah uh because you know the ocean sometimes uh give you a tough time and sometimes that's what you need
1: (laughs) and how have you found that because i'm always fascinated you know i grew up surfing and um and full disclosure i'm not the best surfer in the world or anything like that right but like i'm always fascinated with people who pick up take up surfing when they become an adult. Because it's really hard Mm. to navigate. You're not just navigating, like, standing up and all that sort of stuff. You're navigating the ocean, which is so unpredictable. How how have you found that?
0: I think, you know, I'm just such a determined person. And I think that's also something that comes from sport, right? That when you put something in your mind, you're like, yeah, I'm going to go after this. And and I think the biggest thing was I was never scared of the ocean. I had respect for it, but I was never scared. And I just enjoyed it so much. And there was some kind of similarities true with horse riding to surfing i felt like this like you were always depending on another element which was the ocean mm. or the horse and uh, surfing and just being in the water it's like it's like therapy right
1: it's interesting when you say that because like a
0: lot of people in this world would be
1: you know terrified of horses right because they're really unpredictable they're a powerful animal and it's the same kind of thing right? Like, the ocean's probably more unpredictable to be fair
0: yeah exactly well nick i think this is a good uh, time to maybe then go in to talk a little bit about, you know, after you finish your career, you suddenly started, you opened up about that you started experience these, like, ceases. And I read an article about you actually getting a caesar on the Champs-Élysées in France. Yeah.
1: yeah. And after
0: that, you opened up about it and tried to put awareness on it. Why was that so important for you to put awareness on and share that story and be that vulnerable?
1: I played a position that was um probably, like, not really associated with having too many head trauma. Um, you know, I was the fast guy on the side on the side that used to kind of score the points, right? So, but the game evolved a lot when I was when I was playing, and and we did take a lot of um, blows to the head, right? Uh, or I mean, and now with the information we know out there, even these sub-concussive blows are, are more um more impactful than you know the like full knockouts, right? Um, so I had a lot of those when I played, but I did, like. I never really thought about it, and then I had the refrigerator in in Paris. It was really scary, you know. I had really specific aura, a really odd feeling, um, like an out of body experience almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm in a country where I don't speak, like you know, I don't speak French. And I wake up and I have five ambulance guys around me. Like I was really taken back and freaked out. Right. After, the months after, I let it kind of conceptualize a little bit. I was like, I think I have to speak about this because at the time it was 2013. They were the rugby league specifically was talking a lot more about concussion because of the movie or because of the the, the lawsuit in the NFL. And I it actually took a, like I had to call like deep on my own volition to to come out and talk about it because I did play on the wing, right? Lots of mm-hmm. people were like, "Mate, you played on the wing, you didn't get any head knocks, you're fine." But I was experiencing, you know, what seemingly could have been tied to that. And my neurologist in New York at the time told me that, you know given my exposure to or predisposition to, to, to being exposed to head trauma, that he wouldn't rule that out. So, um, yeah, I, I think what was important to start talking about, and, you know, for me, it's like it's really important when you talk about these things. It's like I don't hate rugby because of that, mm-hmm. but it's what we need to do is we need to try and provide people with the enough information to make the most rational decision on their participation, right? So here is the risk. Um Here's what you're exposing yourself to. You make your own decision, you know? And we didn't have that when I played. So that's why I thought it was important for me to talk about what I was experiencing, how I was overcoming it, um, which is more broadly by medication. Um, But that medication allows my brain to to not kind of get tangled up and and result in myself having a seizure. So um, I thought it was important to kind of get that out there get my story out there to add to the discourse around concussions, and um, yeah, whether it's been useful or not, I don't know. But um, they're, mm-hmm. they're definitely doing a lot more here in Australia now um, than they've ever done. But we're probably still not getting close to a really, you know, understanding why it happens and, and the cognitive kind of um, uh, impact that these loads have.
0: So that like you sharing that story was, you know, that's also showing some vulnerability and saying this, this was going on with me. And as I know you now, you're, you're a guy who, who really are not afraid to show vulnerability, who is not afraid to go into harder topics and discuss them and, mm. and, and kind of use your voice. But yeah. was, is that something that always been easy for you showing vulnerability also when you're playing professional?
1: Well, I was always a bit of a, um, a unique, let's say, a unique personality in the in the environment. Um, you know, when I, when I started playing, I observed like a couple of things, and, and one of them was really the underrepresentation of LGBTQ plus identifying people, which is still exists right now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, these sports, it's not you know most people who engage with contact sports will, if they have, if they identify, if their sexual ident- orientation. Was to be LGBTQ+. plus, They will play the sport, retire, and then maybe they come out, right? So when I when I when I observed that, I knew that the numbers in society would is not matching up with the environment which I was exposed to, and you know supporting the LGBTQ+ plus community, um, you know people made, made fun of me, right? Um, but for me, that didn't matter so much um, as because I thought I was standing up for the right thing, so. Through those experiences, I, I understood first of all the power of sport because it was shifting the narrative within the environment that I was exposed to, but then it was also shifting the narrative externally, right? So the supporters, people would make fun of me. Um, I'm not going to say the words that they would call me, you know, but that like <clears throat> I, I, I identify as straight, but they would obviously label me otherwise, right? Um, because I was advocating for these things. So, so mm-hmm. it gave me like a more broader kind of understanding of the powerful nature of sport how people, how sports has the ability to really um, impact in various ways, right? Um, You know, Nelson Mandela famously said, I'm sure that you've read this in some of the articles, he said the sport has the ability to change the world, And that resonated with me a lot. Um, And I think it does. And I think that, unfortunately, athletes, governing bodies, sports, don't really do a great job of it. We're more broadly hearing about, you know, athletes doing the wrong thing. And we're hearing about them doing the right thing, you know, and don't get me wrong, there is, there are athletes out there doing fantastic things. Um, but we want to hear more stories about that. And mm-hmm. that's where it's probably my love or my passion around the ability for sports to the impact was probably born out of me supporting the LGBTQ plus community, you know, back in, uh-huh. we're talking like 2002. That was like uh-huh. unheard of, you know? So, it's yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good old 20 years ago, Emily. There you go. <laughs> show wow, my age, that's crazy, Showing right? my, show my age, showing my age for sure.
0: Yeah, wow. Yeah, so you're really like uh, on forefront of your time back then to to speak up about, about diversity in sport, which I mm-hmm. feel like only the last few years have been a worldwide topic, but you were yeah. already talking about it 20 years ago. That's, that's I amazing. I was trying.
1: I was trying. Yeah. It was, yeah, it, was, it was hard. It was hard. But I mean, yeah, you know, it was like a, it, It's been a. It's probably had a profound impact on the things that I've done outside of that too, right? You know, being able to transition into modeling, like let, let it's no it's no um. Everyone knows that you know, modeling or fashion and fragrance industry is highly represented by it's the op- it's exactly the opposite of rugby league, right? Exactly the opposite of sport. You're going to you're going to engage with and work alongside more people who identify as lgbtq plus so it yeah. kind of flips on the head but because i was already thinking about these things I, I, it gave me the ability to kind of easily and freely like kind of explore those nuances and, and be able to add value um and, and productive discourse in, in those environments
0: that's that's very cool and i know there's still a very long way to go in sport but does it make you happy now that there is a, at least a big awareness on it, or do you think the road is still
1: yeah like I think really so, really I long? Think the, I think the thing is um, there is awareness on it, but you know, like many things in this world at the moment, there's lots of awareness about lots of stuff. You know, social media has given us the ability to do, it, to do that. Well, let's let's say the internet le- at very least. Um, but awareness only goes so far. We need we need really you know more productive and, and specific program like programs and and, and structures to really challenge that. Um, like, let's be fair, a rugby league player coming out now as gay, for instance, is still not going to be widely accepted, you know? It will be it will be accepted in his team, in their team, sorry. They could be accepted, it, it accepted but more broadly in society, probably not. Um, and it's really a funny kind of, an interesting kind of area because female rugby leagues here in Australia, the NRLW, if you're playing in that league, you're – like you're almost expected to to identify as the LGBTQ+. Plus. If you're playing NRL, it's like, oh, you're not, no, definitely not gay. You know what I mean? So the, the females are, or, or like just a blanket thing, oh yeah, they've got to be, they've got to identify as LGBTQ., Um, which is really interesting to me, you know. Like, like we put yeah. these labels on people from the start. Where let's be fair, your your sexual pro- proclivities have nothing to do with your ability to perform.
0: Well, I think it's very cool to hear that you, you know, as a young professional rugby player was able to voice up about this and, and, you know, because that's also showing, you know, vulnerability from your side and kind of coming back to your story, then also, as you say, going from rugby player to modeling is a totally different world. How was it for you to stop your rugby career and then moving to new york and in new york you became the face of Paco Ruban and vicious right was it hard for you to going from this one person to kind of this other person
1: i i think like reflecting on it now sports people have a really um great knack of um exploring different communities within communities right part of my that, that part of my identity was really what i called on a lot i went into the modeling because. I didn't know what I didn't know, right? I'd I'd never been exposed to this environment, but I I was chosen to represent his brand and I tried to utilize those skills um, to to really kind of scale and very rapidly have an impact on the inner workings of what we were doing. Because for me, it's sport, like the person who wins the World Cup, the team that wins the World Cup, it's not one person, you know? Like Messi knows that wasn't only him that won the World Cup, you know? But society puts... That as, as as the overarching thing, and with the with the campaign with Taka you know, I was working with hundreds of people, but unfortunately, fortunately and unfortunately, I was the one that everyone saw. So the recognition would always go to me, right? <clears throat> there would see this huge um, billboard in, in Barcelona or in the, the the airport in Paris, and it would be all about me, right? But I knew deep down that was this is a culmination of so many other people's work, right? So I tried to utilize that act, that that part of myself to to really make sure that everyone knew that I respected and was so grateful for the opportunity, but at the same time, I also missed so many elements of sport. Um, <clears throat> I, I became I started teaching yoga. Sorry, I started taking a lot of yoga, um, which is very different again than, than than the than the physical activity I was used to, um, which was good, but then it wasn't quite filling the void. Um, I wasn't surfing as much. I was living in New York. The waves are really good during winter. There's four foot of snow on the beach. You're like, oh, I don't know if I'm going out of there. Um, <laughs> so I wasn't. I wasn't surfing, and I just was. I felt a little bit like I, I felt like a, a lost puppy dog, or something, if you will. Um, didn't really know where I was going, why I was doing what I was doing. Even though, you know, I was able to transition into something that was. From the outside, very successful, it was going well, um, and like again, I was on the I was on the freaking billboard, but I was still lost, and I was I didn't it didn't that didn't fulfill me. So then you know it leads into to, to running marathons. I, I started I started. I wanted to do a marathon. You know, the mm-hmm. goal for a lot of people in our life. A lot of people say I want to do a marathon for you know once in my life, um, and I was always that person. I want to do a marathon once in my life, and I was always the one the person as well. To kind of put it off and never do it so 2015 i was like you know what stuff this. i'm gonna do it so i went run the new york city marathon i had one of the most profound experiences in my life you know it, i was just speaking today about the a crazy event because if I, if I want to horse ride i can go to a stable and i can go on a little um on a little trail and i can be pulled along by something with a rope right i can't go out and horse and ride a horse like you or, no. or, or in the space that you did, right? If you wanted to mm-hmm. play rugby league, you couldn't come and participate with me on the in the stadium. You can go watch. <laughs> You're never on the field, right? Um, yeah. The marathon, at the marathon start line, the professionals are there, right in front of your eyes, and they go, and then you get on the very same roadway and you go as yeah. um, well. With, with, you know, in New York with 55,000 people, it's crazy, you know. People with no legs, with blades and stuff, you know, blind runners. So I had a really profound experience in the New York City Marathon. And I realized, okay, hey, it was tying me back to to my advocacy for the, that I'd really established early in my rugby career, but probably as I retired, probably drifted away a little bit. So I'm always able to reestablish that, reestablish that purpose, um, and start mm-hmm. to identify again with parts of myself that I wanted to bring out more. That
0: I'd probably lost a little bit. So yeah, so this like running marathon kinda of gave your purpose again because I think that's also something I talked to Carlos about in the last episode, who when he stopped his professional basketball career, he went through pretty much depression because hmm. he he was so lost about who he was without yep. being being this professional athlete yeah. was that the same for you like kind of figuring out who who you were without the sport and then running marathon kind of gave you this sense of belonging again
1: yeah exactly right so as i, was, I touched on at the start you know like to healthily reengage with sport in a different way right and when we when you play or participate engage with sport at the highest level for so long lots of people they leave and, you know, they don't want to go to the gym. You don't want to do these things, especially the things that were a byproduct of your sport, right? Like I I went to the gym and lifted weights because I had to be strong. The last thing I wanted to do was lift weights. I was like, I ain't doing that anymore. I don't need to be strong anymore, you know? So it was really finding some way to kind of healthily re-engage and and getting back into surfing really helped out as well, right? So I, I I, I, I never forget. It was probably around nearly around the same time, maybe 2014. I'd been living in New York for two years, and I kept on seeing the waves, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to go buy all the stuff. I'm, I'm going to buy a, five, a four wetsuit with a hood, gloves, and boots, and you have to surf on a board there, it's like five more liters than you would normally surf because you've got so much kit on. And I, like, the first day I go to surf, there's three foot of snow on the beach, like you walking through snow on the beach. And I'm like, what am I doing? But as soon as I got in the water, I was like, this is what I'm doing. Like, why have I not been doing this, you know? Like, uh, yeah. why have I not been surfing? Why why have I been, like, watching the waves on social media and going, no, I can't do it? So it was finding a different way to engage, and I think you touched on at the start as well. It, it wasn't about being the best surfer. It was about just being there and participating. The same with the marathon, yeah. right? I'm not going to win the marathon, but being there with all these people, having these experiences all the time, every marathon I've done, had a, some sort of profound um, experience with someone that I don't know, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of the time, someone that everyone else would look at and say they they cannot do a marathon or they shouldn't be participating in the marathon, but they are. They're out there participating as it's like it's, it's incredible.
0: Yeah, that's so cool, and that's so from running that marathon. That's how you came up with with your organization that you have now, Athlete for Life, right? Because you it, like, you had this profound experience, as you said, and you wanted to help other athletes kind of get into the same community and dealing with life after a professional career. Yeah, for
1: sure. After that experience, I went I went home, not, 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 you know, the weeks or the months after. Um, I, I put together a pr- presentation about athletic identity. I'd, I'd studied athletic identity at school a little bit, um, which is, you know, the the identity you form being a professional athlete um, can sometimes result in accol- uh identity foreclosure when you're when you retire right um as we kind of touching on being lost this this kind of sense of no sense of worth and these these specific challenges so i'd already done some some research on it they put together a presentation and i'm like sitting there reading it and i'm like ah, nah i'm not going to show anyone i'm not going to show anyone so i didn't show anyone right I put I, I put it down, and sits on my computer for two years. And um I run the marathon every year since then in New York. Um, but I showed my buddy one year, I can't remember which year, it might have been 2017, 18, maybe eighteen. Um, and I showed my buddy this presentation, he goes, where's this been has been sitting on your computer? And I was like, Yeah, yeah, it's shit, I know it's crap, like I know it doesn't mean anything, and he goes, No, no, no. This is this is a really powerful word. like and I was like, yeah? And he goes, No, we have to do something. So yeah, he kind of was the motivator to actually kind of bring it to life. And, you know, as you said, we want to, you know, make an enduring contributions to society, first of all, in the retirement. I think that athletes aren't able to really have the impact that they could have, but also to make healthy and really useful transitions. And that really comes from self discovery, right? That so it's not about me telling you what is good for you which often happens to athletes, right? You retire or you, you have a career and you injury. You have a lot of people around you going, go and take this job, go and do that, go and be here, go and study this. But really, the, the only way that you can do that work and, and start to have what you want to become is by figuring out yourself. So we work now to, to develop and, and, and build programs to, to, to help athletes transcend their athletic identity alongside positive psychology and a structured kind of... Um, strategic approach to to doing so. We build online resilience programs to help athletes do that. Um, and we're now, we're now in the phase of um, actually trying to help athletes to do so when they're playing for it so they can find their purpose and find the things they want to advocate for, right? Not everyone's going to advocate for things, but there are people out there that want to advocate for things. Maybe they don't know how. We want to build a platform and an ecosystem for them to do so um, to impact society uh, in, in a meaningful way. So. Um, it's, it's, uh, the non-profit space is ever evolving all the time you know you're always trying to first of all find money where you're going to make all these things reality um and find different ways to impact that um so yeah it's been a really cool journey and um if you take me out to new york every year to run the marathon it's probably the the experience that i need to remind me on why I, why i want to go on that journey and why how i want to impact society
0: wow that's cool because when we met in 2019 athletes Mm. for life was just about bringing other athletes together to run marathon and now you actually have this full-on program that is helping athletes finding their purpose after they stop their careers that's i think that's amazing but just coming back to you said that you've made this presentation you had it laying on your computer for (laughs) two years i think that's very interesting because i did a ted talk last year and here i'm I'm talking a lot about following your dream, like, but also mm. talking about fears and how your fears kind of can stop you. Why mm. did you not show anyone two years before you did? Was there any fears? Was there fear of failure? Was there fear of just not being good enough? What was the fear around that?
1: It really didn't. Um, I really it was a, it was like a feeling of like what I had produced was not valid, right? There was no validity in what I'd produced, and it was just like okay. I, I played for it, shut up and get on with your life. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm like, I'm the lucky one, like move on. Like you've got nothing to worry about, you know I And you know, sometimes people should probably, you know, take more responsibility over the ways that they act and the things that they do, right? So I think there was, there was this like, uh, I, I didn't want to burden anyone with like this garbage, right? I was like, this is garbage. In my head I thought it was just garbage. So I left it there and I think that the more that I had the experiences running the marathon, the more I thought about it, I was like oh, hang on, maybe because it's not something really useful to society, right? Yeah, and it, it you know, as I said, it's really challenging. It's it's really hard. but I think that like I like the challenge, you know. I I, I enjoy the challenge of going from sport to representing Sakharoban. It was cool because I had to change in the perception of myself and, and fit into a different kind of environment and now being in a non-profit space it's the same thing again it's like it's challenging as hell but it's yeah. like i'm trying to figure You're trying to figure it out is what athletes are, uh, are, are kind of good at right it might have happened overnight but we're always trying to push to get to the right you know the right solution so yeah it's been it's been an interesting journey for sure
0: yeah wow but but it's cool and i think it also just shows that you know we all have some insecurities of yeah. you know even though you're a professional athletes and you were the the model of pagoruban you still had some insecurity of not being good enough and it took yeah. you some time to show it but yeah i think it also again shows that sometimes things doesn't have to be perfect it, we just have to put it out there and and sure. you finally did and 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 it turned out amazing and i i've really been enjoying seeing this journey that you're on with athletes for life now it's like in the end something i, I like to ask all the athletes on the podcast about is is you know their mental health and if they have a routine uh for their mental mm-hmm. health so i think it would be interesting to also hear from you if you have some kind of set routine that mm-hmm. you do to stay mentally strong in your work in just uh, in your daily life, um if you can if you want to share that.
1: I don't have like anything super, super strict, but I, it I, it all boils down to one common thread it's consistency, right? Trying to consistently do the same things and for me that's really really as I spoke about running and surfing really provided me the ability to kind of push myself to the next challenge or the next phase. Um when I was seemingly potentially struggling a little bit. So you know running and surfing Often do that, and and with the running, it's it's hard. It's interesting. Sorry, is that I, I've figured out that I really need a marathon to run for it. So when there's no train, then when there's no marathon, like if I'm not signed up for a marathon, I don't run. So continuing, like figuring those little things out, marathons because I need it. Otherwise, I won't train, and then I'm not going to be as mentally resilient, right? Um. So figuring those little things out, um, and then kind of also just. Uh, over the last like, little bit, it's really challenging and putting myself out there and networking in a really productive way, asking questions that I never would have asked before because I thought they might have been stupid. But now I just ask them, to, and if they're dumb, more well, they're dumb. They don't do the me anymore, anymore. And I think that's kind of like going full circle back to uh, being an athlete, right? Because when you're a sports person, you're always dissecting your performance all the time to the nth degree. And you want that feedback, then when you finish, you don't get that feedback from anyone because, you mm-hmm. know, in, 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 general roles these days, you, you know, you got, if you're having a review, you probably got your boss telling you 20 things that you did great and two things that you don't do great. And as athletes, well, like, no, 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 how, what about the 22 things that I don't do great? I want to know about those and figure those out mm-hmm. um, and, and, and make those better. Right. So let's so, um, I think it's, Getting to, getting to the point where I'm okay to kind of ask, to ask the difficult questions or the questions that I might think that might make me seem stupid as well. So along with the, you know, consistently running and, 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 um, and too. So it's certainly bad here at the moment in Australia, but at least you're getting barreled over there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. Yes. Yeah, so, so I guess for you it's like kind of having these signed up for something so you, you have something towards towards is important for you, and then yeah. I guess staying cu- curious, right? It's it's yeah, really important right. as yeah. well, and 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 not being afraid of looking stupid uh, because yeah. you are curious. I think that's that's, right. that's that's very cool. And I always think uh, in connection to that, because one thing that's really important for me and for my kind of mental health is also, as you say, sport. Of course, I. I do sport every day, but it's also my morning routine. I love my morning routine. Uh, what is your morning routine?
1: Uh, it's always getting up early, so getting up when the um, the the sun is not up, and uh, I always um, try and have like a lot of water, like <laughs> like little little things that really matter. right? try and have a lot of water, um, mm-hmm. and then have a coffee, and um, I always try to read read something that's going to stimulate my brain like a. I, I I like to read things about psychology so read a study or a paper on some sort of psychology um principle or something like that and some you know with with information like that it's very hard to do on the cypher so sometimes it's only reading a paragraph and i'm like oh no i need another coffee. um but, but yeah so i try to do that and then and then and then it's always starting by running as well so
0: Just like quickly a question about like you being very interested in psychology, because I also talked to Carlos about this in the last episode, and he said that he only got really interested in the psychology aspect of sport after he actually stopped Mm -hmm. his career and he regret that he wasn't more, that he didn't know more about it while he was actually playing. Was that the same for you? Or have you always, has that always been a part of you?
1: No, for sure. I, I'm, I'm much like Carlos, but I, I'm very, really interested in positive psychology and the ways that we can use positive tools to kind of make, utilize tools when you're struggling to kind of transcend any challenges, right? So, you know, things like journaling and gratitude and all sorts of these kind of um, practices, um, which have been proven to be very productive to improve and, and spark, you know, potential mental health crises, right? Um, so that's what we're really, um, I'm really interested about, it. and I think that that's probably as a byproduct of building these programs for athletes, because I think it, you know a lot of these things come from within, and it's a journey of like exploring yourself rather than a, it's, than then it's a journey of a psychologist giving you the answers, you know, and, and psychology is built on that, right? Because a psychologist or a psychiatrist never has the answer; they probe you in different ways to to, to find the answer, and if you can use Positive psychology tools and um, and principles to do that yourself. I think that we're going to you know produce far better outcomes for society in general. So.
0: Well, I think that's a very nice note to to kind of wrap up. Um, is there anything you'd like to say? Uh, anything you'd like to add that you think could be important for people to hear?
1: No, no. I think it's just um, you know important to. Try to kind of challenge yourself to look at different things and um, understand different metrics, oh, sorry, different kind of ideas um, and challenge your own curiosity to, to um, understand why the world is the way it is because uh, at the moment it uh, can be a tough place to navigate, for sure.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much, Nick. And just before we end, uh, if people want to uh, hear more about you, where can they follow you and Athletes for Life if they want to learn more about that?
1: Um, I guess these days the best places seems to be Instagram and stuff like that, right? So, at uh, Nicky um on Instagram, and then www.athletesforlife.com.au. Um, hopefully, we've got some cool projects coming um, over the next kind of uh, few months. So, before forward to uh, making some cool announcements and yeah, some ways that we're hoping to you know amplify our impact and, and ensure that sports is um doing a good job of, of, of bringing about social change.
0: That's so cool. Uh, well, I'll put a link uh, uh, to all the different platforms so people can follow you and go okay. into the website. And then last question, when uh, you said you had a marathon in Europe soon, so are you going to come? Yeah, again? yeah. So put me in Portugal.
1: I hope, I hope that I'll be in Portugal for sure. I'm, I'm running a marathon in Leeds in May. Um, okay. It's actually quite a cool story. So people can probably go to the website to check that out. Um, But yeah, it's in in the UK, and then I'll come down to Portugal for sure. It's not a very good time of year to get some good really, but hey, at least... May can still be all right. It can still be all right, but at least the sun in will be still cold.
0: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) well, well, it'll be nice. We'll definitely have to have a surf in May. I'll look forward to it.
1: Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me.